Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. Today I meet with Carlos, a Bolivian who moved to France for wine reasons over 10 years ago and liked it so much he became French. Hello, Carlos, how are you? Hi, Pauline, I am very good. Thank you. Good, thank you for hopping on the call. You're down in Marseille? I am in the sunny Marseille. I don't know if you know, if you knew that we have 320 days of sunshine every year in Marseille, thanks to the Mistral wind. And today is one of those days. <laughs> that, that, that is actually something they promote Marseille with in the Ryanair flights from Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a blue sky, uh, no clouds today, and it is almost December. Yes, that's nice. Okay, so you are from Bolivia and you, you moved to France quite a few years ago now. Let's start from when you moved and why you came uh, to France in the first place. Yes, I, I was born in Bolivia, but I did one exchange year in Switzerland when I was 17. Okay. I went to high school to do one year of high school in Switzerland. And that was a turning point in, in my life. Then I went back to Bolivia. I did the university. I did some management studies there. And I worked at the family business. My family has, my grandfather created a winery in Bolivia. Okay. And then, and then uh, the wine of my family uh, was promoted at, at the French embassy in Bolivia. Wow. And I went to do a tasting there uh, to present the wines because uh, the French embassy was very nice to the wineries, to the local wineries yeah. in Bolivia, and they wanted to, to get closer to the wineries. So I okay. went to the French embassy and I did a tasting with them. And then a guy who was working there, doing an internship there, uh, it was for sure a student. Uh, nice. He was working for an office whose name was Edu France, an office ah. that used to promote the French universities around the world. Yeah. And he called me and he, he called me the next day and he said, hey, Carlos, do you know that we have a great master's uh, in viticulture, uh, marketing and enology in Angers, France? I think you might be interested. But oh, uh, wow. that, wa that was the beginning. Uh, that was the beginning. My family was interested of sending me uh, to Italy to do a master's oh. in, mar in marketing of wine. But it was at the same time that I got this idea to about these masters. These so what was the difference masters. between the two masters, the one in Italy and the one in France? Okay, the one in Italy was only in Italy and it was limited to marketing of wine. Okay. Uh, the masters I finally did two years later of that uh, wine tasting, after learning a little bit of French, it was uh, in five countries, in five different countries, in France, oh. Italy, Hungary, Switzerland, and Spain, one module at okay. each country. A broader view of the wine world right. doing, doing that master's. Nice. Very nice, very nice. <laughs> so I got, to, I, got, I, I, I got the chance to travel two years around Europe, and then I came, mm. back, to, I came back to France, to Angers, Right. I came from Valencia to Angers, and then I went to Aix-en-Provence, here to southern France, to visit a good friend of mine. It was just before uh, going back to Bolivia. And this okay. friend 
this friend, I, I was supposed to, to spend only four days. Uh, yeah. To be honest, I arrived, I was 27 years old and I arrived and I, we did party for the four days because <laughs> it was at the same time that all the Erasmus students arrived. And yeah. I, on a more serious side, my friends encouraged me to think about uh, the possibility of uh, gaining some experience in the French wine world. And yeah. I, I thought it was a very good idea, but it was 2007, 2008. Uh, it was the end of 2008 and you know there was a big crisis in the world in 2008 so yes. it was a challenging idea challenging project to find a job in France uh, with a, a very strong Spanish accent and no experience <laughs> at all and I took the challenge I told my family before going back to Bolivia and to, to manage the family business the, the, the winery I would love to gain some experience, to earn some experience uh, selling French wine around, around the world. Because at the end of my, my master's, I learned several other languages too. Oh, wow. I, at the high school, I learned German. So I speak okay. German fluently, but then I add Italian to... To your skills. Yes, right. to, to my portfolio of languages. So I thought it was easier for me to find a job. And yeah. it was not easy, but I did it. I did it. I did found a job that uh, gave me the chance to travel around the world uh, selling French wine and learning about the French way of selling things. Sounds like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, it was a great experience. So at that point, you settled in Aix-en-Provence? I was, I was based in Aix-en-Provence. I was based in Aix-en-Provence. Okay. And so you say it wasn't easy to find a job in France. What were the specific struggles maybe? Ah, it, it is, the, the struggles are the same like in everywhere else. I, I like the analogy of a fish that has to find an, the, the right current in a river oh. to, to, to swim. And I found uh, it was 2008, and I had to find a job that changes my student uh, stay permit, my student visa, to a working visa, nice. uh, which, yes. which France gives you the chance if you have an engineer diploma. Okay. It, it is the, 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 the terminology is back plus, back, uh, plus back five. Plus yeah. Back plus cinq. Uh, then it is easy to change your student. It is easier okay. to change your student visa to a working visa. Uh, okay. So I found a first uh, winery that gave me the chance, close to Aix-en-Provence, uh, that gave me the chance to uh, change to do my visa and do the paperwork. And it was my first job. But okay. this position lasted only for four months. Because nice. the winery had some financial struggle, and they didn't have the budget for mm. me to, to, to stay full time. Yes, to stay full time. And then I, I found three another positions at the, at the same time. I was very proactive looking for, for, for a job because I, I told to my family that when I told my mother that I was going to, to stay in France to gain some experience, to earn some experience, she said to me, okay, you can, it is a good idea, but you don't come back to Bolivia if you don't succeed. 
<laughs> you stay, you stay to succeed. So it was a challenge. Yeah. Okay. But what was the what was measure of success then? I land a job and I stay one year or no, that uh, I think it, it was a way of making me realize the importance of my decision. It was only okay. that. Uh, my right. mom was, was uh, that was my education. So I was responsible of my, of my decision. I'm, I'm not staying okay. in Europe to do party. I'm staying yeah. in Europe at the time to gain some experience. Uh, and that was a success. So my mother knew that it was going to be hard. For sure, right. it, it is not easy. It's, okay. It is not always easy. And did you have a bit of a plan in mind, saying, "Well, I want to gain experience for X number of years, and then I go back"? Yes, yes, that was my idea. I think that life is made of dreams, and I my dream at the time was to to travel around the world and learn a, a, a little bit about the French wine trade, and. I didn't set a specific time frame for that, okay. but my, my objective at the time was to go back to, to Bolivia to manage, to run the winery. My family yeah. was expecting that from me. I couldn't plan ahead was what was going to happen hmm. at the time. Nice. So you did your first two experiences and... At what point did you move to Marseille and um, how? Okay. Okay. After this first experience, when they, the, the winery got my work, working permit, working visa, I yeah. found three other options of jobs right. uh, in Marseille, in Avignon, and in Bordeaux. And I had two mentors in the wine world, older people that were experienced in the, in the trade. And they told me to pick the smaller project, the smaller project of all the three options, uh, right. because my strategy at the time was to don't ask for much money. I don't pretend too much money because I yeah. had no experience, but I had a, a good diploma of a French uh, university and I spoke five languages, but I asked the very minimum so that I could be competitive and I can gain some experience. I can earn some experience. Uh, so I found the, these three jobs and I picked the smaller project where I can develop uh, the projects myself. And from Nîmes, I came back to, to Aix-en-Provence in 2009 and I stayed, I did work for a, for a winery in Aix-en-Provence for seven years, oh, wow. uh, traveling around the world, mm. not visiting many countries, always the, yeah. the same six, six or seven countries. But uh, traveling all the time to promote the French wines, it was okay. it was very interesting. So seven years there. So that means you've been in France by that time for what eight nine years? Uh, almost ten years. Yes, I was yeah, in France almost for almost ten, ten years. Almost so, ten. <laughs> what in terms of culture then or lifestyle? What? Do you enjoy so much that makes you stay also in France apart from the yes. job that, that is a good question. Um, my in in my first experience going away from my home when I went to Switzerland, hmm. I went there through AFS, an organization that uh, organizes exchanges. 
And the philosophy, the, the way of doing, uh, of traveling that they teach me was to uh, integrate yourself into the local culture as soon as possible. So yep. to, to avoid the short-term compensation of getting, uh, getting together with other Latin guys or other yeah. Spanish people because you, you struggle in your integration into the culture. So I did right. the same in France. I did, I did exactly the same. And the first thing I learned, I learned in France while working was the notion of conviviality the notion of uh, uh, l'art de la table, uh, l'apéro. Oh. So yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, loved, I loved the long discussions around a glass of wine, always in moderation, uh, the long discussions uh, with nice food, and the long discussions around uh, in, in nature with, with the people. So I loved the slow way of French living. For example, yeah. I was... It was hard for me to understand that I had to take a two hours lunch break. <laughs> I didn't have to, but my colleagues expected me to, to be there because it was a very nice moment. So yeah. your, your day is last very long. You will yeah. be for 10 hours or 11 hours outside of your home. And it is very hard. You have to be very strong to, to do some sports, to do... Uh, other things other than working and, and eating <laughs> and sleeping. Yeah. So what I did like was this French way of uh, living, which is the nicest. So you say you, you integrated uh, straight away with, with French, connected with them. People often say that the French are hard to crack and it's difficult to, to sort of be accepted. Did you feel that or what helped you actually Practice French. Uh, it is. I think it is. It could be hard for someone who's shy, because mm. uh, French are very uh, uh, reserved, and they already have their their friend. Uh, uh, yeah, their friends. Their friends. Their circle. Yeah. Um, circles are very important in France, but uh, as I said, I think apero and. And the wine and the food uh, will help you connect to, to other people. I remember there was an apero, for example, a crowd of people getting together to do a nice picnic, a nice apero in, in nice places, open places, public places or wineries. It was a, a group that the name was Les Apero du Monsieur Pate, for example. I remember <laughs> that one. And... You, you couldn't bring any cola, any Coca-Cola, any chips, anything in plastic. So you had to bring very nice products. And in that way, you get together, you get to, to meet so many people. So I think, yes, French are hard. You, you have to, to show that you want to learn French, that you want to improve your French. Uh, you have to learn some codes of social living. For example, if you get an invitation... You have to return the invitation. They expect that. You never arrive to the house of a French uh, friend with your hands empty. You always bring uh, a small gift, a wine bottle, uh, a cheese, or you call ahead to ask, or flowers, even flowers. So I think you learn to live. That is the most beautiful part of your integration in France. If you learn the codes, you learn to 
to live, uh, to become a better person, a more empathetic person. <laughs> it's funny you talk about these codes because I grew up with them and don't realize that they're really codes and difference abroad because they just seem natural to me. But I don't, yeah, it's funny hey, having your point of view from outside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, you talk about the codes, the, the way of life with apéro and uh, wine. Yes, definitely key and food, <laughs> definitely key <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in our culture. Anything that shocked you, maybe, or that was more difficult? Uh, no, it was, it was shown to me in a very pedagogical way. There is this old saying that says, if, uh, if you go to Rome, do as Romans do. Yeah. And I think that was the most important uh, lesson, to, to, to do exactly as the people here do. And... No, people, people are very, very nice in France. I love the French culture. I love the, I love the it is a millenarial culture, millennial, uh, millenarial culture. It, it, it has thousand years of <laughs> antiquity, this, this culture. It is a very important culture. And it's, it is a very important mindset. And then you get to talk uh, about everything. You, uh, in French culture, you love polemics. And you yeah. love to exchange, to exchange ideas, and 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 at the end, you are friends. You you, you can be on the opposite side side of uh, politics, for example, which mm. is polarizing nowadays. But at the end, you will shake hands and you will have a, a very good time. You you, you have spent a good time together. <laughs> compared to Bolivia, is there anything that was very very different. Yes, um, coming from coming from Latin America, I don't want to generalize, but the mm-hmm. biggest difference I found okay, in Switzerland at the time, and that, that I learned at the time, was that some people in the world can say what they think and do what they say, and they will always be like this. Uh, that is. What, that is my description of, uh, for example, a Germanic culture. And also in France, you can find some people that act and do like this. And in Latin America, people, it, it doesn't happen, always happen, this, this difference. Yeah. But people are more joyful in, in Latin America. They, are, uh, they, they have the joy and the gratitude, naturally. Uh, so I think that if you are from nowhere... And you land in South America, it will be easier for you to meet uh, people. Yeah. Uh, for sure, you will keep some of these uh, of the of the of the people that you will meet forever in your life. But you will meet a lot, a lot of people, and you will see that many of them are superficial connections. That or not even superficial. You you cannot classify them as superficial. They are like this. Like they are open and joyful. And they don't need a bond with you to be like that. In mm. France, you have to create bonds. Yeah. Uh, people, this older culture has a, lead, a little bit of méfiance, a little bit of, uh, I, I cannot trust you as, straight, away. Uh, straight away. So you have to show me signs uh, so that I can accept. So mm. I think... Uh, those are the key differences between Bolivia and, and France. And I think also 
that within France, we have different mind settings and different ways of seeing things. For example, um, in southern France, people are less, they think less about the long term. They think more uh, about uh, the short term, short term, uh, about the short term. In South America, they will think more about the short term than the long term. So in the way how you spend money, how you live life, here in southern France, people live that like they are going to die tomorrow. So <laughs> I don't know. I cannot generalize again. Yeah. It, it will be hard, hard to generalize. Okay. Let's move a little bit on your process of becoming French because you naturalized. Became a French citizen. French citizen, yes. Yes, after 10 years of uh, living here and after... Uh, Okay, uh, after a few years working at the winery, uh, I had to renew my working permit every year. And when you renew your, your working permit, you have to answer a question to yourself. Uh, it is the, the good way because when you migrate to another place, you always have your suitcases between two, in my case, between two continents. Uh, you... You miss your family, you, your family is, is far, far away, and, and you are here. And what is the purpose of being so far from your family? So you question yourself about the meaning of life. What is life? So what I, I, am I doing here? And I had a very good discussion with my brother-in-law, uh, who, said, who said to me, hey, Carlos, you have to, to settle and you have to... Uh, leave your bags where you want to stay. And yeah. at, at, at the time, it was naturally for me to naturalize, <laughs> to, to <laughs> become a French citizen, because I felt integrated into the French culture. And I, I felt that my values are the same as the, as the French culture. And finally, and becoming a French citizen is, is getting a passport, a French passport, the French nationality, but the most important part is that you that you adapt to the French culture. You don't bring uh, your culture and you don't try, try to impose, impose your culture to the French. So you adopt the French culture uh, and you adopt the best of this uh, French culture. So for me, it was it was a good it was a good opportunity when the police told me I uh, you. You can ask for the French nationality. You can you can become a candidate for the French for the French uh, citizenship. And when when you say you don't bring your home culture here, you don't impose it. I completely get it. But when you say you don't bring it, does that mean that for you, I I can't imagine you saying I've completely turned my back on on Bolivia and the Bolivian culture. No, no, never, <laughs> never, 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 never. But uh, I came here and I do as I will do it here. Uh, for example, I will eat at the same time. I will, will start eating at the same time but that, all my, uh, that all the people that are on the table. Mm. Sometimes in South America, you will be, it depends on the family. In my family, it is like this. But uh, in other families where I've been, uh, some people will eat at different times at the same table for lunch. Right. So I cannot impose that to, to my French friends. So yeah. 
are, those are small details that you cannot impose impose to to your uh, to, to your new uh, adoptive country. Okay. And there, there could be other uh, stronger things. Uh, for example, if I am from, I don't know, from other countries where polygamy is uh, <laughs> is important, is an important part of the culture, I cannot arrive to France and bring polygamy with me yeah, because yeah. those are not the French values. Yeah. That that is a stronger example. Okay. What about Marseille as a city? What is how would you describe the vibe? Oh. To answer that question, I have to start in Aix-en-Provence, which is only 30 kilometers away from, from Marseille. So it is very close, uh, but it's in, in the inland, Aix-en-Provence. And at the, I was living in Aix-en-Provence, and in 2013, Marseille became the uh, Europe capital of culture. culture. So they changed a lot of things. They, they cleaned uh, a little bit. Uh, this old, uh, old and beautiful city, and the vibe here is very multicultural. Uh, so, if you want to understand Marseille, it is a, a very old city. It is almost three thousand years old. The city, and you have uh, lots of uh, big groups of migrants here. You have lots of Greeks, lots of Italians, lots of Armenians. Uh, lots of French, uh, and you have lots of lots of uh, people that come from Tunis, from Algeria, from Morocco. But you have all these cultures that get together in this city, and it is huge. It is the second biggest city in France, and it is really huge. You will never get to know everything about Marseille and all, and, and to go all around Marseille. So you live in Marseille. I live closer to, to the sea, but you live uh, in Marseille with this mix of culture every day. For some nice. people, it can be hard. The reputation of Marseille is not the best in France. People are afraid of Marseille. But I think that uh, this, this uh, 320 days of sunshine every, uh, every year help the people to be nicer, to, to have a smile at least. It is a big city. You have the aggressivity of a big city. But uh, people are, you will see that in Marseille, people are always ready to have a laugh with you. If you yeah. learn, if you know how to react with irony, to mm. play with the irony that reigns in Marseille. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a good description, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So talking about Marseille, let's move on to the recommendations piece. Then what would be your top bar and top restaurant there? Ah, in the notion of top, uh, it's, very hard to, it's very hard to choose a top place. But my favorite places that are not really low-key but uh, are not uh, Michelin restaurants are very close one to each other. I have a, a very, I go often to a very nice bar that name is, whose name is Gaspar. They do very nice cocktails there. Uh, the guy who runs this bar, his name is Ben, makes his own infused honey, for example. Uh, okay. They create their own ingredients. So they do the wow. best the best uh, gin and tonic. And if you tell them, I like uh, gin, 
they will surprise you with some creations. And on the back of it, on the same block, I, there is a, a great restaurant that I love. Uh, the name is Urea. I go there often. The chef Mathieu used to work at Paris in Paris, in Paris at a very top restaurant. The name is the name is Semilla, Semilla, and he came to France with his to Marseille with his wife, and they created this small place. You probably only twenty five people can eat at the same time at this place, and and you can see the kitchen, and they cook very with a mix of lots of. Uh, vegetables, the nicest fish, the meat is amazing, and a very good wine selection. Good fresh produce. Yes. Nice. Delicious food. Okay. And the last one I ask everyone is carte blanche, but I couldn't leave you with a full carte blanche. For you, I'd like to know your favorite winery. So not limited to South of France, wherever ever you uh -huh. want. Uh -huh. Wherever I want. Ah, it, it is a very tough question for me working in the wine business. To not be <laughs> Difficult to biased. choose. <laughs> yes, but I love I love uh, Australian wine. I love the Penfolds Winery, and I okay. think they do an amazing job. Uh, the the image that you have about uh, Australian wine could be mistaken because you will think that uh, they have they are over extract extracted and with lots of alcohol and lots of very heavy wines, but they do one of the nicest wines of the, of, that I have ever tasted. So I think they have a big collection of very, very nice uh, wines. One of my favorites that I get to taste a few times that I would love to be able to afford more bottles of that wine is Grange from Penfolds, which is a blend from different regions in Australia. And this winery does an amazing job. Okay. And what about in France? In France, a, a winery that I love is Domaine de Sardossier. Okay. It is in Savoie. And this winery uh, was re reactivated by now a friend of mine, Michel Grisard. He's an older man who, who is very important person in the wine world, and he uh, reactivated this winery. He worked, worked on, the, on the vines, and they have a wine that I have the pleasure of drinking, a white wine that is made uh, from the cepage, the, from, the, from the cepage Jacquer. Uh, okay. The name is Schist, and I love this white wine. It, it is a very, very complex white uh, wine. So it is one of my favorites. I, I, I buy bottles and bottles of this wine every month. I love this wine. <laughs> right. will be noted and all will be uh, linked in the comments then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. So before, uh, before you wrap this up, there's one last question. What would be a song for you that represents a little bit your, your journey to France? Yeah. Your stay in France in the end. Eh, hard to pick a song that will represent all all the life, but I like the twist of "You Can't Always Get What You Want" from the Rolling Stones, because ah. okay, it, it will repeat. You can't always get what you want. That is the verb, but uh, I, I like this song because it is true. When you migrate to another place, you are making a choice. You are choosing, 
mm. my dream, between my dream and my family and being closer to my family. But I like the twist at the end of this song uh, where they say, but if you try sometimes, you just might find, you just might find, you get what you need. And yeah. I think that I got what I need uh, here, li living in France. Mm. Yeah, true. It is very different. Of we all, we always have this picture, this big dream, and you end up not necessarily going that way because it's not necessarily what you need. In, indeed, exactly. I think that is the humbleness that we need in life in general, and most more if you migrate to another continent, to another place, or a different culture. Yeah, it's what you need to feel home. So yes, you find your home. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Southern France is my home, and if if you need any recommendations to to your followers, if you, they need any recommendations about Marseille or Lake Calanque, I will be happy to 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 help them discover this share. beautiful place. Well, definitely, we'll link your uh, Instagram account then. <laughs> sure. For both wine and uh, touristic recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, Pauline. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining. It was nice to have, yeah, the foreigner's view of, although you're probably more French than I am by now, um, but the <laughs> foreigner's view on French culture. <laughs> <laughs> no, France, it is, a, it is a beautiful, beautiful country with, uh, this, with this culture. And I'm in love with this beautiful country. I'm in love. Yeah. You deal with the strikes and... <laughs> Eh, that's the but you 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 know there is optimism. I think uh, we cannot we cannot be like this forever. There there are lots of strikes and it is true it is true. But uh, we will get better better yeah, in front. <laughs> well, thank you for joining, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, as usual, everything will be linked in the comments. If you enjoyed the episode, please go put a rating on Apple Podcast and stay tuned for the next one. Hi. Thank you, Pauline. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. <laughs>